we'd just like to welcome Adrian to the Regional Football Hub. We certainly appreciate your time coming on to share your journey from when you started in Dubbo to when you uh, went through to play for your country, Melbourne Victory, and also being able to play overseas. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So we're just going to start with uh, a few quick questions um, and then we'll get into sharing your, your journey. So who's the funniest player that uh, you've ever played with in, in your teams and practical joker or just a, a funny guy to have in the change rooms? Um, I've probably got two, uh, Kevin Musket and Grant Brebner, who were Vickery boys. Um, I always say to them now that I, I, since I retired, I've never had as much fun as we once did. So they were boys that uh, always got the, the dressing room rocking. Cool. I guess before we get into more football things, what was your, what's your favourite sport outside of football? Uh, I'm a bit of a sports tragic, so obviously growing up in Dubbo, um, rugby league's one which I'm sort of big on. Um, I actually work in that space now, um, and AFL I'm, I'm also a big fan of. So as long as there's competition, I'm, I'm into it, so I'll watch anything. Awesome, man. Who, who are your two favourite teams in those codes, mate? Uh, Geelong Cats. Uh, yes. Geelong Cats down here because that's where I went to school once we moved down to Victoria. Um, and in rugby league, I've got to be a bit careful because I work with a lot of uh, players in every team. So it's, uh, I'll, I'll just say the New South Wales Blues. Love it. <laughs> uh, do you have any, any bad habits or a worst habit? Um, oh, I've got plenty of bad habits, I suppose. But my worst, oh, I don't know. I'm not very good at sitting still and just relaxing. So, um, you know, that's, that's one thing that even when, when I'm on holidays, I'm always looking for something to do. So... Um, that's probably the thing that's kind of good, but kind of bad. So depends, probably ask my wife. So back, um, well, you're still playing now and they may code through, but did you have any pre-match uh, superstitions that you had to do? Maybe you left soccer on first or something like that? Yeah, I was pretty um, pretty superstitious my whole career. I, yeah, I don't know if it's superstition. Um, I'd almost say it was just habit. Um, my my coach at the VIS since I was 14 through till I was about 25, he, he, he took over at Victory. He always said, you know, don't get into superstitions and things like that. But I used to, you know, every day put my, it was always left foot, um, left sock, left boot, um, always wear the same jocks. Um, and then my routine was always the same. So I was pretty, I think a lot of athletes are the same. They're pretty regimented and, and I was certainly uh, one like that. Awesome. Um, favorite food, favorite beer or drink? <laughs> I'm enjoying the beers at the moment. Now retired, um, not too many, but I, I went through a phase there where I I, uh, I did enjoy it. But uh, look, I, I just love an Aussie barbecue. Um, living all over the world, it's sort of something you crave, and and getting home to one of those is always good. Um, favorite drink? I don't really have one. At, you know, I'm trying to stay pretty healthy, so probably on the kombucha at the moment. <laughs> Fair enough. You can answer this one if you're brave enough, but which manager's given you the worst spray? Um, I probably copped the worst sprays in uh, in Korea. So the good thing was, was I couldn't understand them. Um, <laughs> but they used to uh, they used to lock us in the room for a long, long, long time. Um, the Korean boys, it was such a you know, they had to show so much respect to their elders, so they just bowed their heads and didn't say a word. 
Um, so they were they were pretty full on. Luckily, my translator picked and chose what he said to me, so I, <laughs> I really don't know the truth of what was behind them. Awesome. Um, you having a dinner party, mate? Who's the first couple of people you invite, and who's a couple of people that you're you're not inviting on your list? Uh, um, well, I've been watching the Jordan documentary, so I'd like him there. Um, it's he's he's a pretty impressive character. Um, God, who don't I invite? I don't know. I mean, you you come across certain players throughout your career you play with and against. Who I'm sure there's a few on there which I I, I don't wouldn't really like to name. But uh, <laughs> oh, look, I'm a I'm a sports tragic, so Jordan would be one. Um, God, don't even know where to go from here. <laughs> um, and then I'll just say the boys I had most fun with Muskie and Brebsy. They, they, um, you know, they were guys that I love hanging around with and still do, and haven't had a beer with them for a while. So that'd be uh, that'd be a good one. Nice. I guess aside from Melbourne Victory, favourite football team in the world. Uh, well, my mum was born in Manchester, so I'm a, I'm a Red. Um, so I've got an excuse why I'm a United supporter. <laughs> it's better than being a City one. Yeah. No. <laughs> So you started in Dubbo. Your first club was was SAS. Um, what, what do you remember about your time playing in Dubbo? Um, did you only play with SAS until you moved? What do you recall of your time back then? Uh, my first club was Newtown. Um, I think a lot of the, I don't know, the, the information out there says SAS, but um, I started under, my dad coached my brother's team under sixes. At, he was a Newtown Demons. Um, I started playing in that team just when I think I just annoyed mum and dad enough so they threw me on. Um, then my team was Newtown Saints um, and I played with Newtown for a long time and pretty much would play my morning games in my team and then the afternoon games in my brother's team. So um, I used to kick about with his mates a lot um, and then it got to a point where I don't think I was allowed to play up an age group anymore so I went to SAS and, and that's where we played a lot of a lot of rep um, well, a lot of the rep boys played in that team, so we had a we had a good squad and and you know had some success. Um, my time in Dubbo was brilliant. I, you know, looking back and the memories that I have growing up in the country, playing all sorts of sports. Um, you know, weekends. You know, playing against Bathurst, Orange, Lithgow. Um, in those sort of Sunday comps were were awesome. Um, we've got a great group of friends who I still speak to a lot of those guys now from, from that time. Um, and back then you don't even really, I suppose I didn't have a belief that I could actually do something with my career. I, I, I always, you know, said I'd like to, but I, I didn't really, I suppose, believe that I could. And, um, you know, now I'm finished. It's probably, it's given me a chance to reflect on, on those years and they were probably, you know, they were awesome years and, um, you know, times that you just don't get back. Fair enough. I'm just going to share a quick little photo here with you. Um, so you played one year at Nationals with New South Wales Country and, that, and then yeah. also moved to Victoria in the second year you played with Victoria Country. How important was those tournaments for, for you in terms of your stepping stone and, and what memories do you have of those tournaments in, in terms of you then being able to go on and forge your career in, in football? I think like I think every tournament you play in is is vital and and I'd go back even earlier the the, the tournaments where I represented Dubbo, um, the tournaments where I represented Western Region, um, 
I remember we went to China with a Western region team. I think it would have been under 13s, um, which was just a hell of an experience to get international football at that age. And that, you know, later when I fought, was fortunate enough to go and play in China, those memories or those experiences from when I was younger really, uh, really helped with, with, with all of that. So, um, you know, every tournament you're playing is, is, is huge to, to get. I was one who never really believed in myself um, a lot. And so for me to get, you know, named in that New South Wales country thing was team was a big thing. And then over the, you know, the progression over the next couple of years um, sort of took it to the next level, but it was, you know, they were pretty special times no matter who you're representing, you're always representing a region and it was, it, it always, you know, made you proud. It's interesting you, you say a lack of confidence. What, what point did you start believing in yourself? What, what point did you resonate that, you know, I, that couldn't make something out of playing this, this game? I probably never did. <laughs> um, if I'm honest, I, I always, um, and I, I suppose that's probably what pushed me to, to have success because you know, I always had to work really hard to, to get the most out of myself. I was never, you know, the most talented player on the pitch or, you know, this was from under under 10s all the way through. Um, so I always found that I was, you know, trying to find that edge one way or another and, and doing all the extras. And, and ultimately, that's that's probably why I had a career in the end. Cool. So you end up at the Victorian Institute of Sport uh, after playing for Victorian country teams. Um, and Ernie was there. What was that experience? having Ernie as an institute coach and then obviously later on having Ernie as a Melbourne victory coach, what differences did you see in, in, in Ernie? And do you think that was um, unknown to you, a good footing for later when obviously victory signed you? Yeah, it was. And, you know, we moved down down here, I think it was after the, the 2000 Olympics. Um, we played in a country tournament in Griffith, I think, and then moved down. Um, I just been invited to train it to trial at N-Swiss and dad was kicking himself thinking we were doing the wrong thing but you know fortunate enough it, it all worked out and ended up getting invited to the VIS and um, playing for Vic Country against all my mates um, in New South Wales country which was was kind of weird but um, yeah it was just a it was a blessing I suppose to 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 get that opportunity at the VIS, um, it's where I learnt really to be a professional and, and what it took to take to, to that next level. And and again, you know, I, I moved to the country down here, so I was always the country yeah. kid mixing with the city kids, and and that was it was challenging at times. But um, you know, I think you sort of forge friendships. And my my four best mates now um, from football are all guys that I played in the VIS with. So um, you know, they've had decent careers themselves but um, those were the sort of foundations and, and the memories that, that we have together all the way back to then and as you said Ernie Ernie became my coach and, and sort of took me under under his wing for the best part of 10 years and you know he rode me pretty hard once we got to professional level because I suppose he knew me um, pretty well and, and, and could you know send a message through me to other players and um, so at times you sort of thought he was on your back but um, he was he was fantastic for my career. Great. Having played in so many squads and you obviously have so many sessions and games on, what did you do away from your structured football to get yourself to become a professional? Um, I think probably for the people listening, probably, you know, growing up, um, I probably didn't play as much football as I should have. 
Um, I was always, you know, distracted with other sports and things like that, particularly in Dubbo. And I got to the age of, I think it was about 14 after, after the nationals and things like that. And, and, you know, got told that if you want to make a profession of this, you're going to have a real go at it. And this is going to have to be your sport. Um, so I think once I did that, that's when I really, you know, pushed on and, and, and improved a lot. And, and I, I think my real improvement was when I got into the, the professional environment where I was training every day and touching the ball every day and being pushed every day because you were surrounded by, you know, players like Kevin Musket and Archie Thompson and, and these guys who, who you probably didn't deserve to be on the same pitch as them at that time. But, um, you know, you want to, you didn't want to let yourself down in front of them. So you, you push yourself and, um, you know, rose to the next level. And, and, and that's, that's probably the thing that I was able to do. I was able to, every time I got tested, I could lift myself. Um, and that's, you know, it probably ran throughout my career. Whenever there was a big game or something, I'd always sort of take my game to a new level. And um, when I play this, the, the sort of easier, so-called easier games, I'd probably drop drop a little bit. Um, so that's that's one thing that I, I, I suppose I was always proud on. Whenever there's a big game on you, I'd um, I'd stand up. So you look at uh, country kids, obviously having that added pressure of, of travel and um, you know to play at that high level. How did that affect you in your earlier years? Yeah, that followed me for a while. Um, I remember like, my old man was was awesome he'd take me everywhere and we used to he used to have a, a volkswagen combi van which we'd uh we'd drive around the country in new south wales and we'd you know we'd park up somewhere have a sleep um you know we'd roll in the next morning and play our games so uh you know they're, they're good times and and my old man said that he always said that i had to buy him a new car um I didn't quite get to that stage, but I bought a house about a hundred meters away from him, so he just said to me, Promise me you don't sell that and um and we'll be all right. Was it something that affected you at all, do you think, your travel, having to sort of go you know, wake up and play or was it didn't really phase you? Oh, it didn't phase me. I think you, you get used to it. Um like even when I moved when I moved down here, the, the VIS was it was a three-hour round trip for me, so um, it's probably hardest on my family. Um, I'd either leave school at two o'clock, jump on a train, um, get to training on my own, and then Dad would pick me up from training. Um, so that didn't change throughout the whole time. And then the next one was when I went to Melbourne Knights in the last year of the NSL, and that was sort of six days a week, and I was doing year 12. So, um, yeah, without my parents, I suppose you you know, parents, brother, grandparents, everyone, without them all chipping in, it, it wouldn't be possible. So, you know, people in the country understand that. Um, and I think the parents also love doing it. So it's uh, it's it's one part that you, you're forever grateful for, for that time that they put into it. Yep. You mentioned you played other sports as a kid. What were they and were you good at them? <laughs> was I good at them? I was, I was okay. Um, I represented Western at state in athletics and swimming. Um, and then the rest, I represented Western in rugby union, schoolboy rugby union. Um, yeah, so I used to play school school rugby league and, and all those things. And it's just what you do there. And I think, you know, the way I played, I, I wasn't the most technical player, but I I sort of put my body on the line as, as country boys do. and, and um, you know, that, that sort of helped me a long way during my career. 
it's been a sort of school uh, co-captain, obviously at school, into captain of one of the biggest A-League clubs with Melbourne Victory. Would you say growing up you're always someone who was a leader? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think particularly on the park and where I played, you know, centre of defence. Um, I don't know where that that sort of came from. It wasn't something that I, you know, aspired to or anything. And you know, when I get the, got the letter to say that I made the the New South Wales country team, I wasn't even sure that I was going to make the team. And then, you know, I saw that I was captain as well. So it started at a pretty young age with all that stuff. Um, and then I, you know, I captained the Fulham reserves once we got over there. Um, captain Victory, captain, you know, Vic Country as well. So it's something I enjoyed. Um, I always, you know, I suppose I always set pretty high standards off the park and that was probably one of the reasons why I held a lot of those positions too. like it. You mentioned your dad uh, was obviously someone who was influential in your early youth career. Was there any other coaches, people, um, players that you, you um, sourced out in making the transition from playing uh, the, you know, double football stuff to then New South Wales country, Vic country, VIS, was there, was there anyone that would, that jumps out as someone who was pretty influential to you? Yeah, I mean, there's probably guys that are still there. Um, Bryson Reese, he used to, he was, um, we had the rest Western Region Academy of Sport. Um, he, he, he took that on a Monday night um, in Dubbo. Um, Richard Evans was around then as well. Um, he used to do a lot with us. A couple of coaches in Dubbo, Greg Markwick, uh, Mick Kelly. Um, and then... Yeah, I, I think I'd, what I remember most is probably growing up and thinking when I was when I was in the academy of sport, there was a player who was sort of involved in a in a in an NSL side. I think it was Canberra Cosmos, and and I just thought that was you know the bee's knees. Um, I never thought I'd even get close to that. Um, we went to a I think we played in a curtain raiser for a game, I think, where Alex Tobin broke the, the NSL appearance record and, um, you know, we got to go in the rooms after the game and, and things like that. And and I just never even contemplated getting to that level. Um, but then when you sort of do, I think not, you, you don't really change at all. Like you sort of don't, um, you don't sort of think you're above anyone or, or done anything special. It's sort of you just get on with it and and do, do, do your job. Um, so... It's easy to forget that you can be a bit of a role model to the kids in the country. Um, and, and I always looked up to guys from Dubbo who, who did things. Daniel Baitup was one. Um, you, you might not remember him, but he was he was probably the best player in our academy. And, and I always sort of looked up to him as a player. And I actually was in touch with him um, a couple of months ago. So it's good to, to be in touch with these boys from back then. We often talk about the negatives of country football. What do you think some pros have been about being a country footballer? Yeah, I think, um, as I said, playing a lot of sports probably, you know, helps you be pretty rounded. Um, you know, you learn to sort of take hits and do all that sort of thing from other sports and um, you're always out there being active and, and I was always, I just loved playing any sport. Um, there are a lot of cons, I think. It, it is it is difficult and it is, it is tougher. I think the, the technical, I, I wish... I spend a lot more time on the technical side of my game. Um, but then I, you know, the way I made a career was because I was a good defender and, um, 
you know, I knew how to put my body on the line. I knew how to, to get stuck in when I had to. Um, I learned pretty early how to read the game. Um, and, and that, you know, that takes takes a long time for kids to do that. So, um, yeah, I think, look, you just got to make the most of every situation. Everyone has a story. And, um, you know, we're pretty lucky in this country with, with what we've got. So, it's uh, yeah, you just sort of run with it. And, and I was lucky. Another massive milestone for you was to obviously represent your country and, and do that at a 17s, 20s, 23s and the Socceroos as well. Uh, sum that up, obviously, it's a, a massive milestone. Yeah, I um, when when you guys got in touch, I sort of thought about back to the times where, you, you know, you start thinking about that sort of stuff. And it was at a Western Region Academy of Sport Um I think it was a trial day and they, they gave us a piece of paper, which was a pyramid of, of, you know, what, what milestones you had to hit. And, and they were all on there and, and like, I didn't even think that I'd get even, you know, one of them. Um, and, and that's something that always sort of stuck in my mind that I actually, you know, climbed that pyramid. And, um, you know, the, the thing that annoys me the most is I only got one soccer cap, but, uh, look, I got there and, um, you know, I had awesome memories with the, with the other the other junior sides and travelled the world and, and got to see things that I wouldn't wouldn't have got to do if it wasn't for football. I guess one of those things we got to see was you travelled over in the squad for the Olympics. What was that experience like? Yeah, that was that was cool and that was probably like you know, twenty one, twenty two year old, you you're travelling the world and not not the Olympics itself. I think it was it was all the other stuff, you know, we played in North Korea. Um, our final final qualifier was in North Korea. We played in countries like Jordan, Iran. Um, you know, some pretty sort of scary places. Um, and it was just an insane sort of eighteen months leading into the tournament. We did really well. Um, the qualifiers was it was a really hard slog and tough slog, but we we got there. And and from a from a personal point of view, my actual Olympic experience was um, was disappointing. Um, they, they brought in an overage player who, who took my spot, which, um, you know, didn't really sit well with me because of the, the effort that we put in to get there. But, you know, that's the way football goes sometimes. And you, you have your highs and you have your lows. And, and it's just uh, part of learning and moving on. How did you cope doing, you cope doing that? Oh, obviously, after the disappointment of not being able to play and being an integral part of getting there, um, what did you have to do mentally after that point? to, you know, focus on the, on the next part of your football? Yeah, to be honest, I struggled a fair bit. Um, I, was at, I was at Fulham at the time and, and had a really good um, period leading into the Olympics and, you know, had some good feedback following the season. And then after the Olympics, when, you know, I hadn't played for, you know, I missed the whole pre-season, didn't play at the Olympics, um, I, was, I was way behind when I got back. Um, and that... That sort of still annoys me because I knew if someone actually said to me before going to the Olympics that I should, you know, maybe not go, maybe I should just focus on on, on my club football. And the, the thing is, though, when you when you're a kid and all you want to be is an Olympian, um, yeah. you, you're not going to say no to it. So, yeah, look, it took took it took me a while to get over that, um, and it probably was one of the main reasons why I did. Uh, come home from from the UK because I just needed to play first team football again and um, 
you know, a part of my career, which I, I, I think sometimes if, if that went differently, maybe things would have turned out differently. But, you know, it is what it is. And um, I made the choices I made. And you obviously as a character, you come back, you were the second player to play 150 games at Melbourne Victory and then obviously got the armband as well. And I think just as a side note, when, when I watched you when you were a little player, 13, 14 year olds, I think you were a far bigger influence on the games and as a player than you obviously give yourself credit for. Um, but what can you tell us about the, the culture at Melbourne Victory over the time that you were there, the, the changes? What did you like about the club? What was it, what was it like? Yeah, I think, I think that's why Ernie was such a good coach and he's proven to be successful in, in other parts. Was, he set that from the start. Um, Kevin Musket as well was another one who's a phenomenal leader. Um, he's, he's someone that I... You know, I can't speak highly enough of Kevin and, and, and what he did for me in my career. And um, and then the chairman, who, who's the current chairman now, Anthony DiPietro, he was he was a board member at the, at the start, but just a really um, good family man. And, um, you know, he was young when, when he started there and, and I've, I've developed a, a fan, you know, a close family friendship with him over the years. Um, and he sort of sets the, the tone of the club. Um, and then, you know, you've got influential people like, like Ernie, you know, Kevin Musket, Ange Postacoglu, who really picked it up when it needed to be picked up. And I think at, at this, this current point, we're, we're looking for another Ange Postacoglu type um, character to come in and, and you know, set, set the standards again and, and get it, um, you know, functioning the way that it should be. So you mentioned time at Fulham, obviously, you're still quite a young age and packed up and went over to the UK. I remember reading you were one of the youngest players there and you were pushed quite hard. How was that experience to be involved in such a big club? Oh, it was awesome. It was, um, oh, it was, it was mind-blowing for me, just the, the whole, you know, boy from Dubbo, next thing you're sitting in the in the club rooms at Fulham and the, uh, and the owner flies in on his helicopter. So it's like, it was just a different world from what I was used to. And... Um, but a hell of an experience and, and you get to train, you know, like I was, I was sort of pushing first team, but wasn't quite ready for it. Um, but still got to train with those guys every day and prepare them for the, for the games. And, you know, I got on the bench a few times, got, got told to warm up as if I was coming on once and thought I was going to make my Premier League debut, but didn't get there. So, um, oh, look, an amazing experience and just to live in London and, and, and um, you know, experience that for a good couple of years was, was something that, that I'm grateful for, yeah. I remember reading, um, like obviously you'd play resis and then most of you boys would have to back up and be at training to help support those boys. How was it like managing your load having to do that as well? Yeah, it was tough. And I got a, I got a pretty bad um, knee tendon injury as a result. I think it was just over training and that sort of hampered me for a while there, probably you know six to 12 months and ended up having a couple of surgeries on it. So, um, but that, that's the thing there. It's, it's such a results driven business. They don't really, they don't really care unless you're going to be playing for the first team that weekend, sort of where you're at. So, um, yeah, it's just the way it was. And, you know, you're not going to complain. Are you sort of, you're, you're knocking on the door of the best league in the world and, um, you just got to soak it up where you can. Yep. And, Obviously, Smalling came in at a young age, and I know you took him under your wing a little bit. Do you take a little bit of credit to say where he's got out at the moment? Take all the credit. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, he slept on one of my couches, which I sold a few weeks ago. So that was my uh, my marketing strategy. Um, <laughs> he was a real good boy, and and you know I'm not in touch with him anymore. Obviously, he's sort of gone on to to bigger and better things. But um, you know, he came from non-league and and played us the similar. Oh, we played next to each other for 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 a good period in the in the resies, and um, I, I did help him out for quite some time. But you know, once. Once he got the tap, once, you know, I, I used to get the tap on the shoulder to train with the first team and then he started getting it. I was like, oh, all right, my time's up here. So, um, oh, look, but he's, he's, a, he's a great kid and, and to see what he's done with his career has been fantastic. You mentioned the Olympic period as a challenge for you. Was that probably your biggest challenge in football? No, no way. <laughs> it's, it's, you get, I think you get challenged from, you know, from from when you start. As soon as you start these the representative stuff, there's a challenge. There's a new challenge. Um, you know, you get challenges. You know, to step up to the to the New South Wales country team. Then it's to step up to the Aussie team. Then it's to, you know, play well there and 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 you know make sure you're there for for a long period and and, and things like that. Um, you know, different coaches test you. You go through bad patches of form. Um, you know, whether it's club level, international level, um, there's, there's so much, you know, so much that challenges you throughout your career. You know, playing in China for me was probably the most challenging um, 12 months of my career. Um, and then I spent the last three years in Korea, which again was a, was a completely different beast as well. So they're, 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 they're different challenges, but they're good challenges. And, and I think, you know, you learn from every single one. And, um, you build a lot of resilience. Like you, you come out of your career and you're pretty resilient from the experiences that you have had. I know you mentioned you didn't quite make your Premier League debut, but there was some games where you sat on the bench and I'm a massive Liverpool fan. Um, <laughs> how was that experience to know you're up against one of the, the biggest clubs or the best club, um, sitting on the bench against them? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, oh, <laughs> Yeah, it was the, the funniest thing that day was there was a, a victory fan that yelled out to me, and I was like, "Who the hell in this stadium knows who I am?" <laughs> um, so, and then I saw him a few years later. He's like, "Oh, when you're at when you're at Anfield, I yelled out to you." So, uh, you know, it's you sort of got to pinch yourself. And and then when we were at, we were at United, and I was um, I wasn't quite on the bench. I think I was a spare man, and. I ended up getting Wayne Rooney's shirt after the game just by, by fluke. Um, I think I pissed a few of the boys off, but <laughs> I didn't really didn't really care. So, you, you know, they're, they're pretty cool cool moments. But I suppose while you're there, it's it's almost – you can't say it's normal, but it, it, it is normal. Um, and, and you just got to sort of do what you're there to do. What did you do with the Rooney's shirt? Is it hanging in the, uh, hanging in the living room? I haven't even framed it yet. I've been meaning to for years. No, it's still in the still in the cupboard. So I'll get to that one soon. You mentioned playing overseas at uh, you know in China, Korea, um, obviously England when you were earlier. What what was the biggest differences in in the training format? Were sessions longer, more often? Or was there any really big differences between each of those countries compared to your, your time in Australia and Melbourne Victory? Yeah, I think it's two different coaches. Like I, I think. The training that we got under Ange was probably the best training I've ever done. Um, and I think that showed just the, the level that the team got to and, and um, 
the quality of the training, the intensity of the training was always high. It was never like never really, really long, but every single thing you did was just like just at an insane pace and and the expectation was really high. Um, sometimes when you know, when you're un, un playing under Ange, it was it was like, Oh, I just need like just one day to have a bit of a an off day or a rest day or something and it was just it just didn't come even on your recovery days you know your touch had to be spot on and it was just so he was he was demanding and and then when he left you just want him back you just like that was that was so good um in terms of the uk that obviously the quality is high and the, the pace is high and the, and the players are a completely different level in terms of touch and how smart they are and things like that so that was that was really good for me to learn at, th- at that age um and then going, you know, going to China again, it was like, it was, the Chinese players are really lazy. Um, so you pretty much, it was like, play the game. Now just take it easy till the next game, make sure you're okay. It was, it was not a very good way to, to sort of, you know, the sharpness and the things like that sort of went and it's really hard and, and the, the level of the, the plays, you know, very, very different. So for me, that was a, that was an insane time because they're paying these players ridiculous amounts of money from, from all over the world to come and play there. And the, the quality of the, the whole setup um, was just so far behind what it should be. And then Korea was just a, <laughs> it was just like going to military camp. Um <laughs> So pre-season camp, we'd go into lockdown for two months. We'd go and spend two months in a hotel away from our families and, and things like that. And um, you'd train, you'd, you'd train three three times one day, twice the next, and then you'd get the Sunday off if you were lucky. So um, you're doing just ridiculous loads, and you'd just train, sleep, train, sleep, train, eat. I'd my weight was I just I just got really, really, really skinny, and um, yeah, you just got to sort of get on with it. So. Um, but that's, that's like I said, like those those experiences are, are pretty cool when you look back on them. But but when you're there and when you're in camp and you have got like this two month calendar on your wall, just going, when is this going to finish? It's um, <laughs> pretty tough. How you with the food, especially in China and Korea? Obviously, having to adjust what you may normally eat during a week preparation wise, was, was that something that was a big factor? Yeah, it was. Um, I love Korean food, so that was that was pretty easy for me. And and the Koreans were really, um, y- you know, they they sort of hold the the foreigners. They really respect the foreigners and go out of the way for them. So that was good. China was that was tough. Like, you know, you'd be having pre match and there'd just be a whole row of cakes or a whole row like just stuff like that where you just like, how is this even possible? Um, you know, we'd have some big. We'd have some big road trips. Boys would be getting on the bus with Maccas and things like that. And you're just like, like you guys are professional and, and this is what you're doing. So um, that's what I like. Like I said, there's just these different challenges and different, um, you know, things that you have to deal with. And, you know, we played in North Korea. We took, I think we took powdered powdered milk and cereal and we ate that for two or three days while we were there. And, and that was the, we had to win that, had to draw that game to qualify for the Olympics. So um you just get on with it that's all you can do and i think you know being from the country probably helps you that because we're a little bit tougher (laughs) i guess most people we interview have trouble with this question because there's so many but if you could narrow it down to one do you have a best moment in your career yeah my best moment would be the um the 07 grand final win i think um we just we won that game six nil it was the first 
victory championship. Um, uh, it had just been a whirlwind couple of years and that season I think we won the league by I don't know how much it was but we just seemed to win every week and such a good group of boys and we just we were just uh, after every game we'd be out together um, we just got on so well we knew we were going to win every game and then to, to sort of top it off with that that was probably you know that moment was the best moment in my career by far I guess fast forward a couple of years and I know Shinjiano, Del Piero, Heskey come over. What was that experience like? Yeah, it was it was good. Um, it's good for the league, those guys. And, uh, you know, Dwight York was the first one. And I signed at Victory thinking I was a, you know, a chance to play maybe three to five games in the first season. And round one, I was lining up against Dwight York and being a Man U fan. Um, it was, you know, it was like Christmas for me. So... Um, look, those guys all have their, their, their place in the league and I, and I think we need to, um, the league needs to get back to bringing some real quality sort of foreigners, um, you know, like your Shinji Onos and Dwight Yorks and, um, you know, those guys that really made a difference and, and, and they're the ones that can get people, you know, really interested in the A-League again. Um, best players that you've played with and you've got to put them into a five-a-side team? Oh, geez. Need some need some heads up with this. Um, best players I've played with. So do I need a goalkeeper, do I? Well, that's up to you. <laughs> you can have a right. fighting player if you want. Alfred Swartzer, Mark Swartzer in goals. I was with him at Fulham. Um, Muskie would be centre-back. I'll put... Um, God, he stumped me. Can't even think who I've played with. Um, I've played with a boy in China who played for Boca Juniors. He's the, probably the best striker I've played. Gigliotti. Um, who am I going to put on the right? I'll put Broxy in there because he's one of my best mates, so he can play right back or right, whatever. And left, I'll put... Um, Give me one from Victory. Who's one from Victory? Marco Rojas, surely. Yeah, put Rojas there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll coach. <laughs> Hardest players you've played against? Um, Hardest players... I don't know about hardest, but I'll probably say smartest. Del Piero was um, really, really smart. And although, you know, his his legs had sort of gone on him, he's, you could just tell on the park how smart he was. And if he was, um, if he had that that agility that he, that he once had, you'd, you would have been toast. So um, players like that. Um, got to play against Tim Cahill in China. So that was another... Um, a big one because obviously he's a he's an Australian sort of legend and if he hadn't have gone there I probably probably wouldn't have gone there because I was really reluctant to go over and, and once he'd signed and I was like oh maybe this this isn't such a bad thing after all so um, to play against him was was pretty special as well. So post retiring from football you started working at Adidas um, how did that come about um, and and was it a tough decision to go into the workforce and, and give up playing. I mean, I know Western United were 
starting up when when this kind of happened? Was that a tough decision or a smart decision, or how did you how did you see it? How did it land for you? Um, I always I always said and always had in the back of the mind my mind that I wouldn't play for too long. Um, I'd always enjoyed my sort of study and, and things like that. And I think when, when I left the A-League and, and went over to China, I almost made the decision then that I wouldn't play in the A-League again because I'd been and gone already once before and, and didn't really want to do it again. Um, so I had a, I had a four-year stint in China, in, in Asia, to, to finish my career. And um, the, the added that thing came, out, came about because I, I had an injury in, in the final year, well, the final year of my career in, in Korea and I did an internship at Adidas and um, Jimmy Tansy who was who was in charge of, of, of sports marketing which is the job I do now is retiring and he said um, look if, if you're thinking of retiring I'm going to retire um, so put put your, your hat in the ring and, and, and I did and um, I think I'm really lucky because I, I still had another year of my contract in Korea and I I basically decided um, it was Christmas Eve. I got the job offer. Um, I rang my club four days later and said I'm not going to come back. Uh, and I think I started work on the third or fourth of January. So I didn't have that lull between being a, being a pro footballer and, and entering the workforce. And you know, I'm pretty blessed to to be associated now with such a, a great company. And you know, it's a brand that I was sponsored with since I was 16. So. Um, I've had a long affiliation. I had a, a personal relationship with, with Jimmy, who, who was in the role before me, and he was in the role for 36 years. And um, yeah, I just feel really lucky to be surrounded by good people, and, and I still feel like I'm doing a bit of an apprenticeship and, and learning the ropes. But um, you know, I think I'm in a in a good place to do that. Yeah, I think if I wasn't in football, I'd want to work at Adidas. I'd probably waste my money on all the clothes, but. Yeah, it's a good brand. <laughs> is uh, is there an interesting coaching, or, or are you waiting for um, your, your daughters to start playing? Yeah, I've got two young girls, so they've um, they've shown a bit of uh, athletic ability, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, that's probably what will make me do it if I ever do it. Um, I don't have a desire to be a, a senior coach, but I, I do have a. I have a, a passion for, for helping helping others and, and that f- in football that would mean helping kids. So um, if <coughs> if I do get to that to, to that stage, I, I'd love to, to sort of help our kids in, in some way or another. Um, but, for, but for now, the, the, the main focus is my career and I've got to, you know, transition from being a footballer into the commercial world and, and that's that's what I'm doing now. <coughs> I read that you attended the Johan Cruyff Institute. What was that about and how did it come about? I don't know where you blokes are getting your information. You know, everything. Um, huh. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Yeah, you got the first club wrong, which is <laughs> the, the most important one. Um, that, that came about, it was just a, a way of... Um, a form of study and, and I always, you know, probably from Ernie Merrick, um, to be honest, he, he always put put study before football, and, and I think that's that's important for any any kids that, that are listening or or you know aspire to be footballers. How important your study is, and and you know that gives you a foundation to go and go and do other things and have a have a 
a chance at having a career. Um, I was fortunate enough to be, I was, I was on the Players Association executive for five years as a player and, and it was through that where they, they, they pushed me to do the, the diploma of football business, which I did. And, and it, was a, it was a good course because it gave you a, you know, a basic understanding of, of um, you know, football and, and all, your, all your business research and analysis is, is on football clubs and academies around the world. So it was a, it was a way of studying, but also an enjoyable way because you were passionate about what you were studying. So, um, you know, if anyone's out there that's, that's interested in it, it's, it's definitely a good one. Just before we do wrap up, is there a short piece of advice you'd have for the young regional players out there? Yeah, I mean, from my experience, it's probably just believe in yourself and, and um, you know, back yourself because although we may not have the, I suppose, technical um, ability of the guys who, who probably get the high-level coaching in the city, um, we make up for it in other ways and we're, we're pretty determined and, um, you know, we know how to crack in and, and we're competitive. Um, I still remember when I went to my, uh, it was my first Joey's camp, uh, under 17 Australia camp and a few of the boys who, who ended up becoming my good mates they were calling me Westy like oh, I remember you you're the Westy and I was like at that time like I was like far out like I'm with the big boys now and I've got to sort of you know adapt but um, it, it's funny how you look up to these guys but you know, you are on the same level and then I was fortunate enough to go past a lot of them and, and um, yeah, it's just it's just weird how it sort of all turns out. I guess if you can put your Adidas loyalty to the side, are you Messi or Ronaldo fan? <laughs> you can't ask me that. <laughs> oh, look, I'm, I'm Messi. I sort of always have, have been Messi. Um, I don't really like the way Ronaldo sort of carries on and, and I do like the way how Messi just sort of gets on with it. But I don't... Um, what I don't like, I don't like how people compare them because they are two phenomenal athletes and... You know, you watch you watch the Jordan documentary at the moment, and you just see what a what an athlete and what a competitor, and um, you know what a desire to be to, to be the best. And and then you look at those two guys, and we're lucky to have you know grown up enjoying football and being able to to watch two of the all time greats. So um, you just have to admire them for what they've done and and who they are. What he's saying though is now that Messi's won, we're going to ask that question. What's that? <laughs> Now that Messi's won the poll, we've got to stop asking that question. <laughs> um, look, Ado, thanks for your time. Um, we're happy to clarify that your first club you played with is Newtown, so yep. that's a positive. Um, we appreciate the, the sharing the journey. We certainly appreciate um, your advice that you've been able to provide. And thanks very much for coming on to our show. And we certainly hope you find some time to get your Rooney shirt on the wall soon. Um, good luck in the future. Best of luck with your family. And, and hopefully um, you do well in your new job at uh, Adidas. So thanks very much. Thanks, guys. And, and like I said, if there's any ever any players or um, you know aspiring players that ever need a hand or anything, feel free to re reach out because... Um, you know, I think us country country guys stick together a little bit and um, and it's always good to see some guys coming out of the area and having some, some success. Thanks for that.
Really Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Adrian.